0: Go to shopify.com income now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Hello out there. Yes, hello
1: out there, everyone. Welcome back to None But The Brave, a presentation of Evergreen Podcast. I am Hal Schwartz, and as always, I'm here with my great buddy, Flynn McLean. Tonight, we have some new Springsteen music to discuss. Only the Strong Survive, Bruce's new record, will be out November 11th, and the first single, Do I Love You, Indeed I Do, arrived today. Flynn, your thoughts? All right, well, let me
2: start with the song itself. I like it. I can't say that I love it yet. It's interesting. It's different, which is what I usually like, but I'm not quite there yet. It's, it's only 224, so it, it happens. It goes by pretty quickly. And I'm un, really unable to get into it over that span. I, I know songs are, were short back then, but I have a little. I'm, I'm just having trouble getting into it. But I'm sure I'll get into it once I hear it in the context of of the other of the other 14 songs that are on this album.
1: It's funny. I, I feel a lot the same way. I like it. It's really energetic and fun. I can't say yet that it rises to the level that I love it. But as you just pointed out, it's only one song. And and when I think of some of the other tracks that are going to be on this record, Night Shift and What Becomes of the Brokenhearted, those are the ones that I'm really dying to hear. So to me, this is just a taste with a lot more to come.
2: Yeah, that's a good way to put it. It's a it's a teaser. It's just a little taste to to get us excited for what's uh, for what's going to be coming and yeah, you mentioned uh, the one song I am most excited about Night Shift. I loved the song at the time. It was a hit in the spring of 1985 for the Commodores. I believe it was actually the Commodores' only top ten hit without Lionel Richie. A uh, little tribute for you. I loved it then. It's a tribute to Jackie Wilson and Marvin Gaye. And yeah, I'm looking forward to hearing what what Bruce does with that. And you talked about what becomes of the Broken That's another one that I really think Bruce is going to be able to really sink his his teeth into looking forward to to hearing that
1: yeah talk about some pressure it's one thing to put out a cover of a fairly obscure song do i love you indeed i do it's another thing to take on what becomes of the broken (laughs) hearted which really is an incredibly powerful piece of music and extremely well known so i can't wait to hear that one as i said in particular and the sun ain't going to shine anymore. That's another powerhouse that he's going to be covering on this record. I think it's going to be really good. And as I said, this is a little taste and the taste is it tastes good. And and we're waiting to get a little bit more and it's not going to be that long. November 11th, the entire record will be here. Now, as far as the video that was released today, I totally agree with you. I don't think it works as well as the actual song. I Always like to hear the Bruce material first and then watch the video. In recent years, we've gotten these video releases, so I've reversed it. I did enjoy the song more without the visuals. And, and the one thing I'll say about this video, look, the man is not a good lip-synker. <laughs> That's just a fact. We've known that for many years. They definitely knew it for a period of time. That was why he did the brilliant disguise video with live vocals. He did "Streets of Philadelphia" with live vocals. He just doesn't seem that convincing to me when he lip syncs. What do you think?
2: Uh, not at all. That's that's a major distraction for me. That's one of the that's one of the reasons I'm I'm pretty cold on the video. The lip syncing just does not work, and I just wonder. I mean, I don't wonder why they they did a lip sync video because they want the studio track which is on the album that they're selling to be highlighted and and they don't want to provide a, an entirely separate audio version of the song on, the, on on the first on the first go around and then i, I just thought the lighting was a little off they did they feel like they intentionally kept a lot of the musicians in the background and and darkened so you really couldn't get a good look at them. It seems like the only ones they showed were the people who were actually playing on the record, which would be the backup singers, Michelle Moore, uh, Lisa Lowell, Suji Tyrell, and, and then the horn players, Kurt Rahm, Clark Ayton, and Barry Danilian, And everybody else just kind of gets, uh, gets hidden in the shadows.
1: There was a whole American bandstand or Soul Train theme going on with that video, so that makes total sense considering the material. I agree with you, and to me it seemed like Maybe the other players weren't even really playing. There's no doubt in my mind they were playing to a track. And from what we know that Chris at Backstreets has reported, Bruce and Anniello did the initial tracks and then the singers, the horns, and maybe the strings were laid over it. And that makes total sense because, as Bruce said in his introductory video, this was started during lockdown. So you would think that there was not a lot of people around when they were recording
2: the reason they probably didn't show anyone in the band is because they weren't on the record and this is the hot, the highlight, the record. And, and yeah, they just, uh, they probably just in the studio, they were the night shift as Bruce called them in that little intro video. And I think Ron Aniello played a lot of stuff that that ended up on, uh, on wrecking ball. And he's, and he's back again, he's playing percussion, he's playing uh, the bass, he's playing guitar. So, uh, he's, he's, he's really doing the, uh, He's doing the most of the musical lifting on this album.
1: That's what Bruce also made it sound like in his announcement. And let's talk about his introductory video a little bit. There was some very interesting stuff in there. He obviously, and he he seemed very self-aware of what people say these days. He mentioned that they started a record during lockdown. He had it pretty much done and then he tossed it out and a, he, and he said, because that's what I do, and which I, I thought was very funny that he actually said that.
2: <laughs> he did that in, like, what, 94? So it's not ex- And then he, how many times did oh, he I'm probably... Oh, I'm sure more than
1: 94, yeah.
2: 94, 95. I'm sure uh, there were some times in Western Stars where they almost... Uh, or if, if maybe they even did just start over from scratch. But, yeah, he he knows it. He's done it a lot.
1: Now, he did say that the first batch of songs were also covers, songs that had had an impact on him during his lifetime. It's unclear as to what he didn't like about that set of material. He he went on to explain that this group of songs came together because they featured his voice. And he's also very high in his voice these days. (laughs) He made that very clear.
2: That is (laughs) true. But, you know, and and I think what he said about his voice being third or fourth on a priority list when he, when he creates his, his own music. I imagine that to be true. He's when he's doing everything, writing, coming up with arrangements, coming up with, uh, with various uh, instrument lines. Yeah, the singing kind of kind of gets uh, taken down a bit. So I think on this one, all he had to do was sing. And so let's get it going.
1: In fact, now that I'm thinking about what he said, who knows if Bruce even played any instruments on this record? He specifically said, I brought my voice and my team recreated in a very modern way the sound of, the, of this music. So maybe Ron Aniello was fully responsible for the backing tracks and Bruce was just really laying his vocals over them. I assume at some point, if he talks to the press, we'll get a little bit more info on this. Now, that's a whole side issue. As we know from past releases, he normally talks to someone, whether it's Brian Hyatt or Andy Green from Rolling Stone. He did not talk to anyone today. He did not even call into E Street Radio. I think when he does press, there's going to be some questions about what took place over the summer with the ticket sales. (laughs) Is that a planned thing that he didn't do any press today, that we don't know, but it, it certainly registered, but he yeah. did do this introductory statement.
2: Yeah, and I think that was in lieu of of at least calling into E Street Radio, and I think the press would be more, it'd be more timely, closer to the record, no, because you want people to have that fresh in their mind, you, you know, they just heard Bruce talking about something and they read it in Rolling Stone or or whatever other publication that he may talk to, and they want to go out and and buy it or go online and and download it. And it's only one song right now. So I guess they're going to, I'd be surprised if there wasn't at least one interview and closer to the the release date.
1: But even with E Street Radio, where he has generally called in for these events, I think, and especially since Rotolo did go out of his way, to say that the ticket situation upset him. I don't see how he could have had Bruce on the phone and not ask that question. I think anyone who talks to him next is going to have to ask that question in terms of journalists. I'm not saying fans, but we'll have to see because that is still lingering out there. But as far as what's going on here, the other thing, well, there's a couple of things that caught my eye today. The This is a little arcane, but we have discussed it before. The copyright on Apple is listed for the record to copyright to Columbia Records, a division of Sony Music Entertainment, which does tell us that the deal that was completed to sell his masters does include new material, because, of course, otherwise it would have been copywritten to Thrill Hill Music.
2: That's interesting. So but does that mean that it's only stuff he's releasing or does that mean that? It's stuff that anything he puts to tape now or puts to (laughs) puts to digital memory.
1: Much like we discussed when this deal happened, I think it was what, 10 or 11 months ago that the news broke. We're never going to know fully until stuff like this happens. That that was a question we had at the time. Does it include future music? And yes, Columbia owns the masters to this record and presumably they're going to own the masters to anything he puts out in the future from here. Of course, because he didn't write these songs, there's no publishing involved, which is kind of ironic that he sold his masters and his publishing for 550 million dollars, and the next thing he puts out is stuff that he didn't write, and they're not going to get to take advantage of.
2: But uh, but they're going to they're going to make money off the sales of this. So I don't, I don't feel too bad for Sony. Hal,
1: trust me. No, they made they made the deal that they wanted to make, and, and they wouldn't, as we said at the time. Nobody pays $550 million for someone's catalog uh, unless they have a good reason for it. So I am sure Sony is completely fine with how this is unfolding. And the other thing I think it indicates is he remains in control of his music. They may own the masters. They may own the publishing, but he is going to decide what he puts out while he's still actively working. And I'm guessing even beyond that.
2: Well, obviously they want to continue having a good working relationship with Bruce and just because they gave him a lot of money that they're not going to want to piss them off. So I think it's going to be a very collaborative effort going forward.
1: Hi, I'm Hal Schwartz from no But the Brave. And I want to tell you about our exciting new sponsor, DistroKid. DistroKid is a service for musicians that puts your music into online stores and streaming services like Spotify. You keep 100% of your royalties. The DistroKid app is packed with features. You can check your streaming stats from Apple and Spotify Upload lyrics and song credits. You can also get notified via push notifications when you've earned royalties. With Mixia, a powerful tool for those without access to professional mastering engineers, users can put the finishing touches on their track in minutes. There's a simple interface that is easy to use even if you're a novice creator. It's only $99 for a year with unlimited mastered tracks. DistroKid also has a new feature called Instant Share that allows you to easily share large files securely. Send tracks to collaborators, booking agents, and anyone else you want to hear your work. Your music will stream at the highest quality so you can make a great impression. And the artwork files look great, too. So check out DistroKid through None But The Brave special link and receive 30% off your first year. DistroKid.com slash VIP slash MBTB. Once again, DistroKid.com slash VIP slash MBTB. Thank you. The other thing that's hanging out there, we had heard from a couple of people when we first got the news of the record about six weeks ago that they were potentially organizing a small handful of shows, which was described as maybe five, six shows. It doesn't sound today, yeah, it doesn't sound today that that's necessarily going to happen at this point. So we're going to have to wait and see on that. It makes sense to me that it wouldn't happen because it would take a huge amount of work listening to this material To put together a band fresh and put together a show for for basically a week's worth of performances.
2: Yeah, he would have to get a band together. Obviously, they can't even call up the people who played on the studio track because Ryan Ryan Anielo only has two hands. And so to put to put the band together, get them to to learn 15 songs, maybe 20 songs to play. To play five or six times that's just you're right that's it seems like a lot of work for bruce and considering he's going to have to turn around and in, in early january and start rehearsals with the east street band for the tour i can see where he would want to you know maybe not maybe not do it but hopefully there will be maybe he'll play saturday night Live, put together a band for for three songs two songs maybe and uh just and that would that would reach the largest potential audience that for such a performance
1: yeah, so we're going to try and see if we can hear anything else before our next episode and get some clarity on if, in fact, these shows are not happening. As I said, I'm not going to be shocked just because what a huge amount of work to put together, a band to play 20 songs, 22 songs, whatever it's going to be. And he's got the Eastery Street Tour hanging out there right after that, which he has to plan for. So we'll see.
2: Yeah, not holding my breath. And I think the other big thing we really need to address here is the fact that on the cover, it says covers volume one. So volume one usually implies the existence or the plans for a volume two. So that's going to be interesting to see how they released that and when they released that.
1: Well, the most interesting thing I think about it from our perspective is now I can give since the album is announced, I think we could say this. When we were told this information, which came from two or three different people, they said Bruce is putting out a soul album. He recorded, I forget the total number of songs, but it was an enormous number of songs. 75? <laughs> was that Was that number mentioned? Uh,
2: something like that. I, I saw 50. Yeah. I heard 50 a couple of times.
1: Yeah. I associated, because those two statements came together, that they were all soul songs. However, listening to what he said today, I'm not necessarily convinced that that is the case. What do you think?
2: I, I hadn't thought about it. I just took uh, for what he was saying, that they were all kind of in this soul genre. And I would actually be very surprised if he came out and did volume two and it was
1: all rockabilly. But that would be really cool, though. <laughs> well, think about what he said in terms of the album he jumped. He said, I was working on this record. He didn't say that was soul. And then he said, I came up with this idea that we sort of coalesced around, which was his voice. And he then went on to say, and that is soul music. And he talked about the influence of soul and gospel music for him. Maybe I'm reading too much into it. It didn't necessarily seem to me that the original covers he was doing were necessarily soul songs, but again, we just don't know.
2: Well, maybe he segued into it. He was, maybe he was working on some like Elvis covers and, Going from Elvis to soul is is not a big jump. So that's that would be really cool. Uh, do some covers of, of classic rock songs. Uh, John Lennon did it.
1: So why not Bruce? The other thing that strikes me is, would he really have sat there? Now, I understand it was locked down. We were all experiencing life in a much different manner than we're used to. And I'm sure Bruce was no different. But would they sit there and he's recording day after day or whenever they were doing it at night? And just to do soul song after soul song, if it was 50 songs or 75 songs, I actually saw someone, one of our friends today said, I think it was in excess of 80. So whatever the number is, it's, it's a large number of songs. Again, we just don't know. And, and maybe if he speaks to someone, we're going to get a little bit more clarity. Again, I would imagine any journalist worth their salt, that's going to be on their list of questions as well. When it says so specifically volume one on the album cover anyone is going to ask him, hey, what's volume two?
2: <laughs> right. And then I would hope that any journalist that like, well, like us, <laughs> we would say, so what was on, what was on that album that you scrapped and how did it, how did it go from that scrapped album to, to, to this one? So. There are definitely some questions out there, and even if he has to answer the big one about the the ticket sales.
1: The album that was junked. of course, he had made that statement. I forget the name of that prize he was awarded last year. Was it John Steinbeck?
2: It was something related to that, yes.
1: He made that statement while he was being interviewed that night that he had a Western album that would be coming out soon. Of course, nothing was ever said about it again, and no such album... Was-
2: And nothing was said prior to that. So that was just, no. that was totally out of the blue.
1: I think his exact words were an album set in the West. If those were originals, he's clearly not talking about anything out of these sessions because he was very specific that everything recorded during the lockdown was covers. But the thing I was wondering is because of Western stars, did he maybe start, was the junk record, a batch of songs that would have fit with the Western Stars material, a continuation of Rhinestone Cowboy say.
2: Well, that's a I mean that's a very valid question. I think at one point didn't was it Gary Malabar in that in, in that infamous Facebook post saying that there were like 30 songs recorded at least for Western for the Western Stars album and and that they were going to end up on a box set? Isn't that where those tracks two <laughs> rumors originally started? Like
1: Right, you know? but I assume those are originals. And I'm saying, I wonder if he didn't start in these sessions by taking songs that might have been part of the California pop sound of the 70s. And would that explain that comment, which otherwise just hangs out there and, and we have no idea what he was talking about?
2: That's a very valid question. And only one person... To- at this point could really answer, answer it. And that's Mr. Springsteen himself, but more things that for us is, to ponder and talk about. That's for sure.
1: The other thing we haven't touched on yet is whether some of these songs might wind up in an E street set list. So there's going to be plenty to talk about, especially as we move towards the start of the tour. I think
2: the big question is whether maybe a couple of these songs end up in the encores in, in, in place of shout. I, I know I could use the break from, from shout and, uh, Something really fresh and something off a new record would be would be perfect.
1: I think we've made it clear that we feel that shout needs to be jettisoned.
2: (laughs) Let's come up with something new, and here are here are a bunch of songs that could that I'm sure could be bloated out and uh, made into a huge encore song.
1: I actually think these songs will kill in that situation, but again, we let's we got plenty of time before (laughs) we get to February first, so let's wrap things up. Yeah. Oh my God. And we'll be back next time with a look at Born in the USA, continuing our coverage of the 1982 to 84 sessions. And with that, I'm going to wrap things up here. None But The Bravest presentation of Bull Market Entertainment. We're presented by Evergreen Podcasts. If you want to reach out to us on the web, we're at nonebutthebravepodcast.com. On Twitter, we're at Podcast.
2: So for Hal Schwartz, uh, Flynn McLean, saying thanks for listening, and we'll see you further on up the road.
0: Thank you so much. We'll be seeing you.
1: Bowie, Dylan, Marley.